We're going to talk about an amazing God tonight. Isn't he amazing? And, you know, he's always there. You know, that last song we were singing, oh, my gosh, yeah. All my life. You know, I, I, I sit sometimes and I say, wow, God, you have been so faithful as long as I can remember. I mean, even before I was saved, I mean, I got hit by lightning and didn't get even injured. I should have been dead and in hell. <laughs> but God and his mercy. Aren't you glad he knows the end from the beginning? And, you know, that helps us to get through life that nothing takes him by surprise. And he's already got the answer for us. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here in this church that's making a difference in this whole region. With three campuses going on, this being the home base, and Bayville and Wall Township, lives are being changed day by day. And we thank you, Father God, for your grace upon this ministry and all their outreaches that they do, the food and the thrift store. And so many people are getting blessed because of this ministry. And we give you thanks. I thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to bring your amazing word to these people today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. You know, a number of years ago, I'm going to open up with this. A number of years ago, I was visiting my sister in Staten Island. And uh, it was my little nephew's birthday at the time. And we were outside with him. And I saw these two young men approaching me. And I knew what they were. They had their white shirts on and their ties. They were Jehovah's Witnesses. And they, they had their little packets, you know, with watchtower and all of that. And they came up, hello, sir. I knew what they were. And they started throwing their pitch out at me. So I finally said, wait a minute, aren't you guys Jehovah's Witnesses? And they said, yeah, we sure are. Boy, they were young. I don't think they shaved yet. <laughs> and I said, okay, you're Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, then you know what the seven redemptive names of Jehovah are, don't you? They couldn't talk after that. They just stared at me. And I said, well, you know what they are, right? You're Jehovah's Witnesses. They looked at me like this. And finally, they kind of glanced at each other. They just walked away. I said, oh, fellas, wait a minute. They looked back. I said, when you get back to your home base, yes, it's the Grand Poopa down there. <laughs> if he could tell you what the seven redemptive names of Jehovah are. <laughs> they kept walking. We're going to talk about that tonight. Amen. Let me tell you what the seven redemptive names of Jehovah are. I know most of you know it, but maybe somebody doesn't by chance. Well, that's good that you don't know because now you're going to know. There's seven different names of Jehovah. You know, uh, the first one I want to talk about is Jehovah Ra'ah, R-A hyphen A-H. That is, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay? Then there's the second one, Jehovah Jireh. We all know that one. I remember we used to sing that in church, Jehovah Jireh. When we used to dance like this in church, remember? You know, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And then we see Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Amen. I always like to say that to Jewish people, Shalom. They look at me. I say, well, Shalom. They go, oh, yeah, Shalom. And then there's Jehovah Sidkenu, T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U, my righteousness. The Lord is my righteousness. Number five. Jehovah Shammah, S-H-A-M-M-A-H, the Lord is there. Amen. Number six, Jehovah Nissi, N-I-S-S-I, the Lord is my victory. Sometimes it's called the Lord is my banner. And the last, Jehovah Rapha, he's my healer. But let's look at some scriptures first before we get into that. Let's go over to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verse number 16 through 19. I'm in the New King James. I would have, I usually preach in the King James, because we all, that's how God really talks in heaven. <laughs> oh, he doesn't? Oh, I thought, <laughs> well, you see all those Jesus movies, they all have British accents, <laughs> unless you're watching The Chosen. Hello. <laughs> uh, how many here watch The Chosen? Wow, look at all the hands that went up. Isn't that amazing? It shows chaotic lives changed when they meet Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? That's the topic for another day, isn't it? Okay, verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through 19, we're going to look at real quickly here. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power 
and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him in the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word con confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. That's one thing right there when God spoke up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He spoke as, this is my beloved. And did you know? You know, when, John the, when, John the, when, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and the Lord spoke out of heaven, God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Remember that? Did you know that in Jewish things, when a young man was aspiring to be a priest back in the day, that his father, who typically was a priest, would pronounce over him, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And God spoke that out of heaven. That's my boy down there. And he's going to be a priest of all priests. We have a high priest, don't we? Amen. And so we see, we see that here that God makes this proclamation. Now, we're looking at the Old Testament here, right? Let's go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, with me. We're going to get to the main text here in a few minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse number 11. Now, here we see in verse number 11, now all these things happen. Talking about the Old Testament and all those things that happen. Isn't the Old Testament an amazing story? God doing, opening Red Seas, making axe heads float, and all these wild things. Boy, if, if that happened in front of us, we'd blow our minds out. Amen. But, you know, these things had to happen to them on the outside. But we got an inward witness. Amen. We've got something on the inside that they didn't have. God had to deal with them this way to keep showing them, I'm there, I'm here, I am, I do this, I do that. But we know what he does. And we expect him to come through for us, don't we? Yes, we do. We have a high expectancy. So did I read that text yet? No, thank you. Verse 11. Who said thank you? Where are you? Well, thank you. Verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Amen. And one more place before we get into our main text here. Let's go over to Romans chapter 15. And in Romans chapter 15, one verse, verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Amen. We could look back at the track record of God and how he operated and say if he did it then, he'll do it again because he does what he does because he does according to his nature. It's his nature to be what he is. And God is God. They used to sing a song down the rainbow. Pastor Joe, do you remember they used to sing a song down there? Sing, God is God. He don't ever change. That's right. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have him in the person of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? We're going to go today into, the, into Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is an interesting psalm. If you watch movies or you see a TV show, you probably lived through it. We always see Psalm 23 being read at the gravesite in the cemetery. And everybody's standing there said, I've been, I've been there and and uh, whoever is officiating over there will say, well, we'll now read Psalm 23. And everybody cries. And I stand on the inside of me. I'm saying, Psalm 23 is for the living. It's not for the dead. It's for the living. And we're going to see in Psalm 23, all seven of the redemptive names of Jehovah are presented to us. I guarantee you, you will not look at Psalm 23 the same again. If you're ever in a situation or in a place where they're quoting Psalm 23 at a funeral or out in a cemetery, you're going to have something on the inside. You're going to say, uh-uh, Psalm 23 is for the living. It's not for the dead. But Psalm 23, let's look at that again. Jehovah Ra'a, my shepherd. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my victory. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. In verse number one, let's turn over to Psalm 23. 
And right away we read, the Lord is my shepherd. And a shepherd back then had a very important job. A shepherd was not somebody to mess with. They were tough individuals. They protected the sheep. They fed the sheep. They guarded the sheep. They fed the sheep. They led the sheep. They did a lot of things for those sheep. And the Lord is my shepherd. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads you. He guides you. He protects you. He provides for you. I once heard somebody say, when everything is going crazy in your life, you don't, know what to, you don't know what to say as a confession of faith. Just look up and say, the Lord is my shepherd. And we look at that. A shepherd is an interesting man because he beats off the wolves when they come around. He's got that long rod, and it's curved on the end like that. And when a wolf, you ever get hit with something straight on like that? Boy, that hurts. Man, that's smart. You've had it done to you? <laughs> it's smart, man. It'll leave a great big bruise on you. You know, you can hit somebody with something. You poke them with it. Oh, boy. You know, I had a nightstick one of them. Anyway, let's move along. And my cousin gave it to me. He was in law enforcement. He said, don't hit somebody with it. Poke them with it. I said, really? Trust me. You poke them with it, it'll do more damage. I said, oh, thank God I never had to. <laughs> Amen. But the Lord is our shepherd. But on the other end of the rod, it's curved. And why is it curved? Because when he's leading the sheep around, if one of them starts to go a little bit astray, he just kind of reaches over with the hook, brings them back into the fold. Amen. He doesn't hurt the sheep. So the Lord is my shepherd. So he's our Jehovah Ra'ah. The Lord is my shepherd. And then it goes on and says, I shall not want. Wow. All of a sudden, we got a Jehovah Jireh here. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I remember when, when my wife and I, when we first got saved, we first got saved and we went to Word of Faith Church, like you guys are. I'd never been around this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I, I was a bad Catholic. <laughs> I was a bad Catholic. And, you know, then I go to this church, and everybody is like, you know, they're talking and they're smiling. And then they close the doors in the back. And this lady comes out with a microphone, and they got these big overheads that somebody wrote on, <laughs> words are up there. And everybody, they become altered beings. <laughs> Amen. It's like they become somebody they never were. And I'm looking around at this. Wow, man, man, look at that. And then in the middle of all the worship, I thought some Chinese guy was yelling. Somebody, somebody was speaking out in tongues somewhere. <laughs> And I'm looking all around. I'm looking at my friend next to me. He was saved a long time. Six months, he was saved. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, why isn't somebody shutting that guy up over there? What's the, you know, it's like, hing dong bong, ding dong bong. You know. And then he stops, and nobody moves. And then Jeremiah the prophet rises, and the Lord will say, and he gives this big, long thing. And so I nudge my friend. I said, hey, hey, what's going on? He says, oh, that's tongues and interpretation of tongues. Yeah, yabba dabba do. I have no idea what that, what that means. <laughs> and then he stops and everybody starts cheering. <laughs> so that was my introduction to Word of Faith <laughs> and the charismatic. Hallelujah. And, you know, but we don't, and we, 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 heard about, we heard about giving that day. And we got out in the car, and I said to my wife, I said, we're going to start tithing. She said, Joe, we can't afford to. I said, we can't afford not to. Did you hear what he was talking about? We can't afford not to. God gave his only son. She said, we're in debt. I said, yeah, we got to do this. In a year, we were out of debt. Because God honors the faith involved in, in it. And, you know, we benefited from this. And, you know, I was talking to your pastor before. How, I remember when we, we first went into the ministry, and, and I, I used to work for American Airlines. I made a good salary. I had benefits. I had all kinds of, and God said, resign from that job and move back to New Jersey. I thought, okay. 
My kids never knew how broke we were. But God kept providing. They lacked nothing. They didn't do without anything. And all their needs were met. Because we had been giving and giving and giving. When you give to God, you can't go wrong. He supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory. So now we see in verse number two, he says, he makes me to lie down on green pastures. There's that funeral thing again. That's where they got it from. You know, they picture a nice green meadow and they're going to bury you there. And everyone's going to come and put flowers and cry. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Here we see, here we have, we have Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. You know, we look at this, the green pastures. The shepherd brings sheep into a green pasture where there's plenty to eat. All that grass is out there. It's all provided for them. And the shepherd, he leads them. He leads, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And the sheep feel very comfortable with the shepherd there because they know he will protect them if the wolves come around or anything else. But he says, he leads me beside the still waters. Sheep are not very good in running water. Really, they have all that wool. If they get into water that's running, the wool gets heavy. They drown, and the water washes them away. But he leads them beside the still waters where they're safe. God will never lead us into something that will give us trouble. How many times he gets us out of trouble, but he didn't put us there, right? But God is the one. He is our peace. You know, the thing about having the peace of God is the peace of God doesn't come when the, when the problem goes away. The peace of God comes when you get close to God. You can have all kinds of peace, and everything is still going crazy. But what keeps you going? The peace of God. And so we see here that he is our peace. Amen. Jehovah Shalom. The Jews have been saying it to each other for years. Shalom. Shalom. You want to make a Jew happy? Any, any Jewish people here? No, if you are, that's good. No, the Lord spoke to me about something one time a number of years ago. And the Lord spoke to me and said, do you know what Israel really is? And I thought to myself, well, Israel, well, that's where, you know, Jesus was born there. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I know where it is. But God spoke to me, and he said, Israel is God's thumbprint on the world. It's where he made himself known to humanity. You tell it to a Jewish person. I don't care if they're Orthodox or if they're just a worldly, Americanized Jewish person. They love it. You know why they love it? Because there's something in them that some of them don't even know what it is. God planted a seed in them, and they're still waiting for Messiah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Boy, are they going to be surprised when he comes, but they're going to be happy about it. You know, because they're still waiting. My God, thousands of years, they're still waiting. You know, how many times we shipwreck in faith because it didn't work when I prayed. <laughs> they're still praying and believing. You know, they're still going to the wailing wall, you know. You know, they're still doing all that. They're expecting the Messiah to come through the east gate. And he will come. But he is our peace. But he leaves the sheep beside the still waters where they're safe. God will always lead you to a good place. Amen. Amen. Verse number three. I like this one. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, the Bible says that we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. And the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I passed it for 32 years. And, well, let, let me just say this. You know, no, let me go back to, I passed it for 32 years. And I can remember times, well, if a woman wanted to talk, she would go to my wife. She'd go to Pastor Kitty. And the men would come to me. I'll never forget, it happened a number of times. The man would come up to me after church. He'd say, hey, uh, Pastor, can I, uh, can I come and see you this week? I said, sure. 
He says, what days are you in the office? I said, well, I'm here Tuesday, and then I'm here Thursday and Friday, and, you know, I might be here Wednesday morning. We have church that night. Well, okay, uh, and we'd set up a time, and they'd come in. And I see these big grown men. They'd sit across from me, and I'd say, okay, what's, what's going on? And they wouldn't talk. I said, what's going on? And I don't know, they, I guess they felt they had to confess to me. <laughs> they'd tell me about some sin they committed. And they would just feel like dog food. And I just look at them. And I say, do you know that God has called you the righteousness of God in Christ? And he says, yeah, I don't feel like it, man. I don't feel like it. <clears throat> I say, well, the Bible says that you are. Well, you know, yeah, but I, I don't feel like it, man. I just don't. I said, yeah, I know. You're going by your feelings. And I said, did it ever occur to you that when God saved you, he saved you at your worst? I said, and now you're a Christian. Yeah, I know, but didn't you hear what I told you I did? I said, yeah, I heard you. But I'm telling you what God says. God says you're the righteousness of God in Christ. I said, yeah, but, and I said, let me tell you, let me ask you a question. I said, you've been around the church here long enough. Doesn't God know your future? Yeah, sure he does. Don't you know that God knows the end from the beginning? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe that. I said, so don't you know that when God saved you, he knew that like 15 years later, you're going to do what you just did? And they just look at me. I said, he knew it. And he saved you anyway. Because his love is greater than your sin. I said, you have a treasure in an earthen vessel. We live in this world. and We live in it with all the temptations and this and that. Excuse me, I, I have to get a mint. Is that okay with you? You know, I really like these mints. I'm really sorry I dropped it. They're my favorites. Thank you, sir. I mean, it's meant I dropped it over here. These ladies were standing up here. Nothing, but, you know. But the bottom of your shoes are a mess. You know, just like mine and anybody else's. I dropped this mint, you know, right here on the floor. I mean, I got this container here. There's probably 99 more of mints in here. But I really like this mint. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I told you you were a discerning bunch. God's not afraid of whatever kind of mess you get yourself into. You're his. And if you fall away from the pack, you're still his. Thank you for the water bottle, sir. <laughs> He'll do everything he could to get to you. You might, I said to this guy, I've said it to a number of them, you might feel like dog meat. But in God's eyes, you're his child, and he loves you. And his love for you is greater than what you just did. Next thing you know, they're, they're doing better. We're praying. They leave happy because they get restored. He restores my soul. Jehovah Sidkenu, he is our righteousness. He restores us when the enemy has damaged us. He brings us back to where we should be. You know, the thing about it is we are the righteousness of God in Christ whether we feel like it or not. It's not a feeling. It's a positional truth. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Whether you know it or not, whether you don't feel like it or not, it doesn't matter. It only matters what God says and what God thinks. So I'm not afraid to eat that mint. God wasn't afraid to take me back when I screwed up. I know nobody else ever screwed up. I just told on myself. We've all messed up one way or the other. Some, you know, before I was a Christian, and probably some of you can attest to this, well, I was good at sinning because I didn't feel guilty at all. Man, somebody said, well, how do you feel after doing it? Man, I feel fine. How should I feel? 
The only thing I cared about was I hope I don't get caught. <laughs> like taking a loaded gun to work. But none of you ever did that. Let's keep moving. <laughs> I was not a Christian when I did that. Just for the record. <laughs> but he is our righteousness. Jehovah Sidkenu. Let me read that again. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God wants you restored because you are a vessel for him that he wants to move through to touch others. And that's the bottom line of it all. You know, we should get a bunch of shirts printed up and on the back it says, you know, a work in progress or, you know, God is working here or something like that. Because life is a journey. And we learn things. We learn things as we move along. It's good to learn things watching somebody else make mistakes. But we make mistakes. And, you know, uh, we had, did you have, Pastor Joe, did you have, Joe, did you have Bo Moffitt when you were there as the dean? Oh, Bo Moffitt was like a drill sergeant. That guy. But I loved him. I told him at the end of two years, I said, Brother Bo, man, I love you. He just looked at me. He said, you do. I said, oh, yes. Yeah. I had other students tell me, Brother Moffitt, we're praying to cast the devils out of you. But Bo Moffat said to us one day, he said, the school of experience is the best teacher, but the tuition is the highest. And as I look at this thing here, I see that we learn from our mistakes. Learn from them. And don't just learn from what it did. Learn about how God restored you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all what? Unrighteousness. The next verse in the next chapter says, my little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. And if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Our righteousness is of him. It's of him. In him we live and move, right? And have our being. All right, let's move on down to verse number, number four. Thank you. I knew that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Boy, what is the shadow of death? What is the valley of the shadow of death? I'll tell you what, it's this world we're living in right now. Uh, you know, Brother Frank, i got to ask you a question. Do you still want to live to be 120 in this world? He does, <laughs> and he will. <laughs> I don't want to live to be 120. He does. So I'll see you up there, and you can tell me all about it. He'll probably be disappointed if the rapture comes. And we won't get to live to be 120. But, you know, this world is dark. And it's getting darker and darker every day. But there's something going on. There's something going on. The waters are being stirred. The body of Christ is transitioning. We're not the same as before. Church is not the same as before. I used to sing a song down at Ramah, get in, get out, but don't get run over. And what it's implying is get on the move with God, but don't get run over because something is happening in the body of Christ. There's a new breed rising up. Yeah, Pastor Joe, you know what I'm talking about. I get around to a lot of churches, and I'm hearing it from pastors. They're saying, half of my congregation hasn't come back yet from COVID, but God has been bringing all these other people that are hungry for God. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, it's happening in a lot of places, Pastor. There was a young pastor that I know. He's 30, I think 34 years old, but, but he's been pastoring since he was 20 and he, he you know he was a he grew up in church he was involved in youth when he was 14 and you know so he doesn't know anything other than being in the house of God and serving God and, and I, I took him out last February you know February is, is uh, pastor appreciation month remember that date <laughs> and I took well I, I took you two out for, for, for breakfast uh, Last February, I came down. And I said, I'm taking you out. We went out to eat. I said, because I appreciate you. And I took this young pastor out to eat. 
And he was upset. He said, three quarters of my church is still gone, man. And, and I looked at him and I said, God said to the prophet, there are 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And I said to him, you just hold on to what you know is truth and watch what God will do. Well, I was at his church about a month ago. Holy schlamoli. <laughs> wow. He had a whole slew of all these young people, and they were so invigorating and jumping and shouting and singing and crying and kneeling and speaking in tongues. And bah, I said, oh, look at this. I looked at him after the service. I said, what did I tell you? He says, yeah, I know you did. I know you did. You know, there's these things, they run in cycles, but God, God planted Jesus in the, in the Bethlehem in the middle of a Roman occupation in Israel. And the church was birthed out of all of that. The Romans were brutal. They'll kill you as soon as look at you. You guys saw Right, the chosen. Remember that? Yes. When, when, when Quintus said to Matthew, are you saying I made a bad deal? He says, well, yes. And the captain on the guard was pulling his sword. He said, say your last prayer, Jew. <laughs> and Quintus said, no, 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 wait a minute, no. He was going to kill him because he spoke that way. This is what God planted Jesus in. Oh, my goodness. The Roman occupation Ruling with a fist of iron, they'll kill you as soon as look at you. They didn't like what he said. And they were not accountable for killing a Jew. They can get away with it. Well, he talked back to me. Oh, okay. And at the end of it all, the church was birthed. Glory to God. And the church started growing and flourishing all through the Roman Empire. Churches were being birthed here, there, Everywhere. And when the Roman Empire finally was overtaken and they fell, the church was going and growing because people were talking about Jesus. You want to look at the past? Look at the past. You say, what can God do now? He's doing it. Pastor Joe, I've been to a lot of churches. Pastor John, I've been to a lot of churches. I'm hearing this over and over again from pastors everywhere. They're saying, we didn't bow to Baal. We, we, we didn't give in to, to the devil on this thing with this COVID. We didn't, we didn't let a spirit of fear overtake us. And the church is, is rebounding with a whole new breed that are hungry for God. And that's what's happening. And so, you know, we look at that and we could say that, you know, he is our righteousness. Verse number four. Did I read that yet? I walk through the valley shadow that I will fear no evil for you are with me. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. When I left Oklahoma, I was originally, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in Manhattan and, and Queens. And my, my wife, you know, she was a Jersey girl. <laughs> and um, we were in a big church down there in Tulsa. Maybe you heard of Bob Yandian. He was the pastor of Grace Fellowship Church. And, and we came up here. And we had just started, and I got a card in the mail from Pastor Bob. And he wrote, and the card said on the front, Jehovah Shammah. And he said to me, Joe, the same God that was with you in Tulsa that sent you to New Jersey is in New Jersey with you now. And boy, that was an encouragement. Yeah, because, you know, I got a feeling we ain't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> you know, you got to remember that Tulsa is the, it's not just the Bible belt, it's the buckle on the belt. Jehovah Shammah. So as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You've heard it. I've heard it. Christians say things start going goofy. They say, I don't know where God is. Well, I tell him he's where he's always been. He's inside of you. Talk to him. He's with you. He doesn't leave you. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. We're never alone. Ah, let me mention this. How many of you remember, I, I know this happened with me. I got saved at work on the job, uh, reading the Gospel of Matthew. The shop that I got put into was totally shut down. None of the machines worked, and that's another story. 
God kept everything shut down, and I had nothing to do but read a Gideon's Bible that somebody left in an old wooden desk. And I read the Gospel of Matthew Monday. I went back to work Tuesday. Nothing was still working. I read the, continued the Gospel of Matthew. I got to the crucifixion, and it was all over for me. I totally surrendered to the Lord. I caved. It was a good cave. Only to come home and find out from my wife she gave her life to Jesus two nights ago with the 700 Club. What timing, huh? What timing? And so her and I, we, we, we cried together. We, my prayer was, oh, God, help me to be a better husband and a better father. That was the only way I knew how to pray. Help, are you to me? You know? Help me. And my wife prayed, you know, for herself. I want to be a better wife to Joe and a better mother to my kids. And we cried and we prayed. And we went to bed that night. And I woke up in the morning and God was on my mind when I woke up. And I said, whoa, whoa. I get up and I said, oh, God, boy, this is going to be good. Wow. What I felt yesterday, you're still there. Jehovah Shammah. And I was amazed. You know, I used to wake up in the morning, and, and, and my, my thing used to be that when my feet hit the floor, I say, hallelujah. Now when I wake up, I say, good morning, Father. It's me. Huh? He knows you. Every one of you, individual. Isn't God amazing? I mean, if the whole world of believers prayed all at once, he could hear every one of us and answer every one of us. How do you... How do you not ah, God is just too good. And he loves us. Isn't that the beauty of it all? And so he says, he says that in verse number four. He's also, our, he's Jehovah Shammah. He's always there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's that peace again. He is a Jehovah Shalom. God is a God of peace. His day of war is still yet to come, and it will come. But until then, we are the apple of his eye. He gave his best for you and I. You know, when I got saved I, I, at the crucifixion, I was totally broken. And all I could see was how good he was. And I looked at myself, and I said, man, Joe, you ain't worth a pound of salt. But it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And he rescued us. He rescued us. Amen. Let me move along. I like this. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over in front of our enemies. Jehovah Nisi. He's our victory. In the presence of our enemies. I had a guy that I knew at work at American Airlines. Before I was saved, and um, my wife and I were taking our kids to church because we figured they need to go to church, just little bitty kids. And um, there was a guy I used to work with out there at the airport, and I used to see him at church, and we really weren't friends, but we kind of like nod at each other, you know, like, you know. <laughs> well, then I get saved, and he comes looking for me at work. He's mad as a hornet that I got saved. I just looked at him. I said, Why, what, what, are you ups, what are you so upset about? Well, now, now you think you're better than all of us, don't you? I said, oh, I'm not thinking that at all. Well, he was just, he totally disliked me. Then he became my supervisor. <gasps> I said to him one day, I said, Richard, there's people like you that teach people like me how to pray. Because I used to pray every day on the way into work, knowing I was going to have to face this guy. My crew chief came to me one day. He used to call me. My name is Cat Anise. He used to call me, hey, Cat Baloo, I got something to tell you. I said, what's that? He says, you know, once a month we have a meeting with the manager, all the supervisors, and all the crew chiefs, and all so-and-so. He brought up your name in that meeting with the manager. I said, okay. No, he, he brought up your name, and he wanted to know from everybody in front of the manager. He said, 
I want to know how many of you here are having a problem with uh, the mechanic out there, uh, Joe Cardenese. They all just looked at him. And so the manager finally said, any of you having a problem with this, this man? They all said no. So the manager looked at this guy and he says, well, what, what, what's your problem with him? And he just looked at him and he said, well, I don't like him. <laughs> the manager just looked at him and he says, yeah, we see who has the problem here. When I was going to Rama, I had to work steady second shift. Usually we rotated between day shift and afternoon shift. And every time it came time for me to work day shift, I would put in a requisition to stay on afternoon shift because I needed to go to school every morning. At any time, if that notice came before him, he could have he could have give it the axe, but he never did. And he probably doesn't even know why. It's called favor. It's called favor. He gave me the victory in front of my enemy. I'd get my annual report, always with a different supervisor. They would say, you know, employee Joseph Katniss is an outstanding employee. He does his job efficiently, effectively, expeditiously. And when he's finished with his work, he turns in his paperwork and he asks the crew chief, is there anything else I can do? And I always got an outstanding report. And it used to gall this guy. If he, if, if he would see that, he was like Joe Pesci in a, in a bad movie. You know? Remember him in Home Alone? God gives you the victory the presence of our enemies. Amen. Gives us the victory. He's our Jehovah Nisi. He anoints my head with oil. He's our Jehovah Rapha. He's our healer. I got healed of COVID. You know, there's Christians out there now that seem to think COVID has a power that God can't seem to handle. And they're collapsing in fear. Fear brings failure. I got healed of it. It hit me on Sunday, April 11th, and it was screaming on Friday morning, the 16th. Boy, I tell you, I had all the symptoms. The only two I don't know if I had was a sense of smell and sense of taste because I wasn't cooking and I wasn't eating, so nothing, I couldn't smell anything and I wasn't tasting. I just drank water all week. And, and my daughter said to me, I don't know, Dad, do you think you should get checked? I said, No. What are you going to do? You're going to tell me you got COVID and then I got to be quarantined. No. No. I said, I'm going to trust God on this whole thing. You know, no, no, no. Okay. So Friday morning, the 16th, I get up out of bed, barely. I'm aches and pains all over. My head is hurting. I'm coughing. I got, I got chills. I got shortness of breath. I'm aches and pains. I can barely stay awake, and then I can't sleep. You know, and it's, it's just a mess. And, you know, and, and this is going on and on and on. And I'm sitting in my house with the weather channel on, and I don't even know what they're talking about. And I heard a voice inside of me say, go on Facebook. Wow. On Facebook, I feel like going on Facebook. <laughs> so I go on Facebook, and some of you might know this name, and all of a sudden it pops up, Lance Walnow is live now. I said, oh, I wonder what he's talking about. So I click on it, and he's sitting there with his wife, Annabelle, and they're talking about houses that they bought and how they fixed them up. And I'm sitting there saying, why am I watching this? You know, and I'm trying to stay awake, and I'm, I can't breathe, and, you know, I got chills, I got a robe on, I got a fever, 101.4, and I get to the end, and, he's, and what Lance says, well, it's time to go now, but yeah, you know what, I just feel like praying right now, because I think there's a lot of people out there that don't feel good, and we know God's our healer. And when he said that, I, I looked at, this, at my iPad, it's on my iPad, I said, this is for me. And he prayed just a prayer of faith. He didn't say, lay your hands on the screen or any of that kind of stuff. He said, he just prayed a prayer of faith. And every time he quoted scriptures that we all know concerning healing, I said, amen. And then he said, I pray that for everybody out there who needs that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. And poof, he was gone. And so was COVID. Gone. 
gone like it was never there. I said, holy cow. Oh, I said, boy, you, wow, you're good, man. <laughs> my, my temperature last I took was 101.4. I stuck a thermometer in my mouth, 97.8. He's our healer. And there's a lot of Christians right now, we need to be ambassadors of God's goodwill to them. Because there's a lot of people that seem to think God can't handle COVID. That's because they've yielded to the spirit of fear. But God has given us power, love, and a sound mind. Amen. And we have the mind of Christ. Praise the Lord. And so we see here, that, our, and he says, and my cup runs over. He's reminding us in here, I'm your Jehovah Jireh. In all that, I am your provider as well. So we just looked at all seven redemptive names of Jehovah. But verse 6 concludes, and it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's a Jehovah, Jehovah, Ra'ah, our shepherd. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. He's got a place for us in the Father's house. He's our shepherd. He's our Father God. He's got it for us. And so we can see here that in Psalm 23, that's for the living, it looks like to me. How about you folks? That's not for the dead. It's for the living. Let's rejoice in that. I want to conclude with this. One last place I want to go. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans 8 starts off with no condemnation. There's no condemnation. The prodigal son went astray, and the father had his eyes fixed on the horizon. He said, he's coming. He's coming. And when he comes, I'm going to put a ring on his finger. I'm going to put shoes on him. I'm going to put a robe on him. We're going to throw a party because he's home. He's home. You know, a great missionary was out in the mission field for, for many years. And when he, many, many years ago, when he came back to the United States, and what he didn't know was uh, Teddy Roosevelt was on the same ship. And Teddy Roosevelt got off the ship first, and multitudes were cheering and cheering. Thousands awaited him. And then they led him off, and the whole crowd left, and the missionary got off the boat, and there was nobody there. And he looked up. He said, Father God, why isn't anybody celebrating me? And the father said to him, you're not home yet. True story. He said, you're not home yet. So Romans 8 starts out with no condemnation. But let's move down to verse 33. I love this. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written. For your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, yet. Somebody say yet. yet. Yet in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen to this now. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that Romans 8. It starts out with, it goes from no condemnation to no separation. We can't be separated from him. He paid too high of a price for us. And although the psalm, this psalm was written about a thousand years B.C., it is very much alive and well today for you and I. And Psalm 23 might have been written 3,000 years ago. 1,000 B.C. and 2,000. That's 3,000 years ago. I don't want you to think I got my numbers off. 
it's still working because God's word is eternal. And we could look back at the Old Testament and say, I saw what God did then. And you know, he doesn't change. And so I want to conclude that with this today that there's no condemnation. Like I used to tell those men, God saved you at your worst. And he knew you were going to blow it. Yeah, but I've been saved 25 years. Yeah, and he knew that. And he saved you anyway. Because his love for us is greater than our sins. It always is. It always will be. Every head down, every eye closed. Let's all say this together. Would you pray with me, everybody? Even if you are a believer. Let's, let's just pray together. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe you had the virgin birth. I believe you lived a life of miracles. I believe he died for my sins. And I believe he was raised from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I turn my back on my past. And I look to you for my future. Amen. If there's anyone here in this place today and you say, Brother Joe, that's the first time I ever prayed a prayer of salvation like that. Maybe this is the night you're giving your life to Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Okay, we had a believers meeting tonight. That, no, but that's good too. Because we learned something here. That Psalm 23 will never be looked at as a death march ever again. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Brother Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. You're a great bunch of people. It was an honor to be here today. Pastor Joe, thank you so much for thinking of me for your church. I take it a, a compliment to stand in another man's pulpit. He's a great man. He's got great things going here. I remember when this was the home base, it was the only base. Boy, there sure have been a lot of changes. All for the glory of God. Amen. God bless you, Pastor. I salute you, sir. God bless you. Amen. Such a good message. Amen. It is true. I think we will be able to see Psalm 23 even in a new light. And, um, you know, when we have a guest speaker here, we'd love, like I kind of even talked about giving, to give you an opportunity to sow into Pastor Joe Katniss's ministry, amen? He does go around, he's speaking at churches, and as you can see, I believe this is a life-giving message, amen? We all got blessed by it. So we should be a blessing as well. So if you'd like to give, and it's good ground to sow into, amen? It's good ground too. You can grab an offering envelope if you would like.